So we're about to uh, about to start um, a brand new series, and and it's it's we're we're rapidly approaching the holidays, and it's I don't know. It seems like it should be March or something. I, it just this year is has gone by so fast, and there's there's a guy in my neighborhood that has had a countdown sign till Christmas. It's been out a month before Halloween ever came. Like this thing started like ninety days. And so I'm driving by that, and I get to see it every day. Every evening, there's this countdown to Christmas. I'm like, come on, we really need to slow this whole, this whole thing down. But I do, I do lo- love the holidays, and I especially love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Um, probably has something to do with the food. But uh, I just the, the thing about Thanksgiving that's, that's nice is it's, it's kind of a low-pressure holiday, right? You don't have to buy anybody a present. You can usually get a turkey with their own a really good deal. <laughs> so it's just, it's really more about time together with your family and friends. And, and also, it, it seems that, that um, people are more prone to, to stop for a bit and just kind of be thankful. Uh, in fact, if you're on social media, there's, there are people that do that uh, Thanksgiving posts. So they, every day until Thanksgiving, they're putting something that they're thankful for. It's, it's, it's kind of encouraging to see those kind of things and know that people are excited. So kind of keeping with those, that, that theme, we're, we're starting a series called Blessed. And it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be encouraging. It's going to be exciting. And, and I think that, you know, our prayer is this, and that is that, that this, this church, this community of believers is not just uh, a group of takers, Right? But rather, we're a generous people. Because there's no greater way to express gratitude than to be generous. There's no better way to thank God for His grace to you than to give grace to someone else. There's no greater way to be thankful for, for forgiveness than for forgiving someone else. Right? So I pray that that, that mindset kind of gets a hold of us. And I hope that for the next couple months, when everything is pushed about you know, your list of things you want, the things that you think you need to buy. Every commercial on TV is going to be telling you this latest gadget that you have to get in order for your Christmas to be successful. For you to be happy, you have to have all of these things. You know, push all that stuff away. And I, I pray and I hope that, that we can, through that period of a couple of months, kind of push that fray aside and just be generous and be grateful and let gratitude just kind of bubble over. Can we do that? I think it's a great exercise. And so this series about, about being blessed is, is about that. And it might be a little bit different than, than perhaps what you're used to when you're talking about blessings. Kind of the, the thing that follows right behind blessings in our mind are things that we receive, right? Well, that's what we're going to work on. We're going to change that a little bit. So today we're going to start it off with something that you would not anticipate as being a blessing, but it's blessed with a burden. Anyone know what a burden is? A burden is simply defined as a load being carried. Doesn't sound like a blessing really, does it? But I hope by the end of today, if I've done my job well, you should understand that we're truly blessed if we have a burden. Okay? So let's jump in and let's start with Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Jesus is speaking here. I love this, these couple of verses. I love what he's saying here. He says, to this, he says this, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. <laughs> we all have things that we're carrying that we'd rather not have to carry. Uh, some of us have baggage. Some of us have the baggage carts. Some of us have the baggage train. <laughs> we all have things that are burdens to us that we carry. But, but Jesus is telling us, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Man, you know, when you're a kid, rest is, is, is more of a chore, right? You have to go to bed. You have to take a nap. When you're my age, rest is like golden, 
If you get the opportunity to take a nap, you're like, I scored today big time. Right? I get a nap. I get to rest. Rest is a commodity that we don't get to really uh, spend too much. We have uh, a life that's usually driven. So he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a bit of an oxymoron. It's a bit of an opposite kind of approach. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus chose to save people by the foolishness of preaching. He also said to the wise, the message of the gospel is somewhat silly. Like, it doesn't make sense. Give me something a little more fantastic than a guy who's willing to pay the price for you, right? So, so with that in mind, I just want to talk real quick about a yoke. Pop the picture up, Savannah. You guys have seen, none of us are farmers here, but this is what, unfortunately, we, if we were farmers, we wouldn't be doing this. I mean, it would be John Deere, it'd be green and yellow, it would not be two cows, right? <laughs> so, so just so you get an idea of what a yoke is, that doesn't look like the greatest place to be tethered by somebody. Hopefully he likes the cow beside him because they're going to be working together for a long time and they can't get out of that. But there's, there's something about a yoke. And when, when Jesus said to, his, to the people he was talking to, he said, learn from me. I, my yoke is easy. He, he already says that we're under a yoke or we're under a burden. But what he's saying is, trade me what you're carrying, and I've got a different kind of burden I can give to you. And if you understand me, understand that the yoke that I place around your neck is not going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be miserable. It's not going to drag you away. Instead, there's some, there's some benefits, right? If you're yoked with Jesus Christ, there's something unique about this because you're tethered to the creator. You're tethered to, 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 uh, to someone who has a plan for your life. So, so these two oxen that are going to be plowing in a field, they have one goal, and that is just to go to one end and come back. And that guy that's driving them is keeping them in the right lane, and they just have a single purpose, and their entire existence is li- being lived out in that single purpose. So it gives them a purpose, right? The yoke that we place on our neck that God puts on us gives us a single purpose. And you know what else it does? It protects us from danger. It doesn't allow us to fall into a pit. It keeps us right where it's supposed to be. So why is this a blessing? How is a yoke, how is being tethered with a burden, how does that become a blessing? Well, if you guys remember our four cup series, it took six weeks. You guys remember that? Uh, So we talked about cup three. It was cup three was the work of redemption, right? It was finding your real purpose in life. It was finding your purpose. And so what this is about, what a burden is, is really, in in this context, what Jesus is saying is, let me tell you something. I have something. If you'll give me your heaviness and your weight and the junk you're carrying around, I'll place something on you that is easy, it's light, and it'll give you purpose. It's an abundance in your life. It's a life of abundance that he promises that gives us fulfillment. So in order to understand why a burden can be a blessing, let's look at how we identify what a godly burden really is. How do we identify what a godly burden really is? There's three things. One is this. What is it that breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What is it that keeps you up at night? What do you find that when you're praying, this is the thing that comes to your mind, and when it does, there's something in your, in your heart that just kind of tears a bit. It's a heaviness, it's a burden, it's something that's pounding in your chest. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's when you start to pray or, you, or you're driving down the road or you're, you're taking your lunch break at work and it's just, you just find yourself consumed with the fact that there are people that you know that do not know Christ. 
Maybe there are people in your life that have never experienced the freedom of the gospel. They've never experienced the freedom and hope that Jesus can bring. And so, so there's a burden that, you're, that you have in your heart. It, it actually keeps you up at night. It actually breaks your heart to know there are people that don't. Perhaps it's poverty. I mean, you don't have to go to a foreign country to find poverty. Very real poverty that is this debilitating, crippling Perhaps it's kids that don't have godly mentors in their life, homes that are not conducive to a godly environment. Their future with Christ is non-existent because they have no one showing them the way or teaching. Perhaps it's senior citizens that, that have no one to stop by and visit them in their home. Our, our, we have a group of people that take care of that. They're passionate about it. And you know what? There's somebody in a room somewhere that knows on a certain day of the week there's going to be a group of people that are going to come and spend some time with them. Perhaps that is what it is. Perhaps it's young families that that need to connect with an older couple that can help them with their marriage and with their relationship. What is it that breaks your heart? I find that in the culture that we live in, we get, this part of us gets numb. This part of us gets, I mean, think about it. You know, you're watching TV, it's a cool show, and then soft music comes up. And then there's this sad puppy dog chained with a chain like this to a brick and he's like mangy and and there's a soft voice speaking in the background about this poor animal we get inundated with stuff to the point where we're like come on i should have dvr'd this one so i can just fast forward through this piece right we just get numb to things that would touch our heart how many we're inundated with can you help us support these people can you help us with this cause can you help us with this event and pretty soon it's just like another it's another business it's another sales call so we find ourselves in in this culture just kind of getting numb to that but our what god really wants us to do is have that kind of resurrected again what is it what is it that that really breaks our heart nehemiah i don't have time to tell his story but the short version is he was a jew that was taken in captivity, living in a foreign land as a slave, but he was in a good position. He worked directly for the king as a, as a wine taster for the king. So he had a good job, but he wasn't in his homeland. And so in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, some people had gone back to Jerusalem. They came back with news, and they told Nehemiah, they said, those who have suffered the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, Nehemiah said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. His heart was broken. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. This news, this, this news he heard so broke his heart that it totally changed his life. To the point that out of this, Nehemiah's purpose the only reason why there's a nehemiah in the bible the only reason why i can read about him in the scripture is because this event so gripped his heart and so broke his heart that it set him on a purpose a divine calling for his life that earned a place in the scripture he went back to his homeland and built it back up because that was his purpose and he could have lived his whole life in a pretty decent job Taste and wine for the king, and as long as no one poisoned the king, everything would be fine. <laughs> right? He had a good job. He wasn't getting beaten. He wasn't living in poverty. But something, a, a more divine purpose was geared for Nehemiah, and he found it when he found what broke his heart. The second thing is, what is it that makes you angry? Well, not people driving. You can't fix that. Besides that, what is it that makes you angry? What injustice, what, what, what is it that burns like a white fire, white hot fire in your heart when you see an injustice that's, that's being done? I'm telling you, you don't have to look very far to see it, right? 
We live in a relatively good country when it comes to equality, but you still see it a lot. If you're looking at the news and you see these, these Syrians that are, that are homeless, roaming around trying to find a place to live, it's just it's unbelievable. What is it that, that makes you angry? Is it, is it hunger? Is it abuse? Is it, is it the underdog that's always getting picked on and, and, the, and always the, the, the chips are stacked against them? Is it people that are unable to get a chance to have a change in their life, that, that are locked in some sort of addiction that they can't break free from? What is it that makes you angry? Exodus chapter 2, Moses, you guys, his story is a big story. don't have time to tell that big story, but a little snapshot of his story is he was in Egypt and his people were enslaved, but he was living in Pharaoh's house. And so one day after Moses had grown up, he went out where his people were, where the Jews were. They were slaves. And he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and, see, and that and seeing no one. He just killed the guy. So this is not, I'm not, I'm not like encouraging this kind of behavior. However, <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you that when, when this injustice was being lived out in front of Moses, he just took matters into his own hands and went all wild west on the guy. Killed the dude and buried him in the sand. He was done. Something triggered in Moses. The thing is, what we know about Moses is we know his whole story now. So when we look at his whole story, how he was, he was sent off in a river and he was adopted by the, the prince of Egypt, the princess of Egypt, and then he grew up and, and then this happened and then he runs away and then God starts to call him. The thing is, what was breaking his heart and making him angry was the very thing that God was using to draw him into his divine purpose. He was the one that led the children of Israel to freedom and liberty. That was his divine calling, and it started because something just sparked a fire in him, and he saw this injustice, and he could not let it go. Most of you know this story of Malala. She's a Pakistani teen who was angered by an injustice. Simply put, she did this horrific thing of going to school, and so therefore the Taliban shot her in the head. Miraculously, she survived, but instead of going into hiding... She said this, she said, all I want is education. I'm afraid of no one. I want to serve the people. I want every child, every girl to be educated. I shall raise my voice. This girl has been all over the world speaking this message of hope, standing up for the underdog, the people that cannot do it for themselves. A divine calling came out of something that was horrible and horrific and evil. And she found it because it made her angry. That this injustice is being done. I'm still talking about what, how you find this divine burden that I'm talking Why is it a blessing? Why is it a blessing? The third thing is this. What do you care about that others don't? When you talk about it to others, they like, you know, they, they kind of placate you by listening and nodding and making all the right sounds when they're supposed to. But, but you can tell that it's not connecting with them. You can tell that they're not getting it. <laughs> You can tell that this is a passion of yours, and they're like, okay, soon he'll stop talking, we can talk about something else, right? You're just not really buying it. You just, and you have a hard time understanding how is it that someone can see this and not feel compelled to do something, right? How is it that, and this has happened multiple times. I remember reading an article about in New York City, someone was beaten to death in the hallway of an apartment building, and people stuck their head out the door and then closed the door and let it happen. Like this happened. How is that possible? How is it possible? 1 Samuel 17, story of David. David was still a shepherd boy. He wasn't king yet. He was just a shepherd boy 
took lunch to his brothers who were in battle, right? He gets there and he finds that there's a Goliath from the enemy, a giant that is basically saying, whoever wants to come and fight me and they can beat me, you guys win, we lose, we go home. Simple. But nobody would step up. And so David says this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He just cannot believe that this is actually happening. Who, how is that possible? you got an entire army uh, with a legacy of incredible victories in battle. But nobody's stepping up. Just nobody's getting it. Nobody is really driven enough to say, you know what? I'll stand for the underdog. I will stand in the place of someone who cannot stand for themselves. David couldn't help himself. He's like, you know what? I'll do it. I'll take care of this because this is not right. There's an injustice here. And so he did what he was called to do. When you identify that the burden that God places on your heart is really the blessing because it brings to you the purpose of your life. You hear us talk about this a lot at this church. And the reason why we talk about it a lot in this church is because we firmly believe that we are called, called to help people find their calling. We are called to help people find who they are supposed to be in this earth. We don't believe that you should live a life that has no meaning or purpose. And I'm not talking about do, just doing a good job at your job. I'm talking about the kind of meaning and purpose that gives you joy and energy and passion to live. To know that I cannot wait to wake up tomorrow because I'm going to take this on again because this is what I'm called to be. We feel like that is our purpose and our calling. That's why we spent six weeks talking about four cups. <laughs> That's why we talked about that, that series. We unpacked it because that's the four steps. That's the progress on how you can, can begin your journey with Christ, finding him, finding freedom for your life, and then finding who you are and what place you can serve. In fact, we have a small group growth track that's happening after church today, and we're going to be talking about these specific things. How do I find who it is that I am? Who am I? And what did God create me for? We talked about this a few weeks ago. God did not make you and say, oh, what am I going to do with this guy? I did not see this one coming. <laughs> Where did he come from? Now, I've met a few people that I think that conversation happened. I was just kidding. <laughs> right? He did not make you and then try to figure something out for you to do. No. And you, we can debate this. We can argue it. We can say, what about a, uh, you know, a child that's born from a bad situation? We don't need to get into all that. I still believe that he is the author of life. It doesn't matter how that process happens in this world. When that sperm and seed connect, I believe God authors that purpose. And there's a plan for that individual. So you need to know that if you're here today and you, you have an understanding and you're alive and you're blessed, you can't really understand blessing until you can understand what it means to carry the burden that God has given to you. It's not meant to overpower you. In fact, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden, why would his burden be light? Because have you ever felt that feeling when you're doing exactly what it is you're supposed to do? Have you ever given something to someone and had a feeling like, man, I want to do that again because something just happened to me when I gave this. Have you ever served in a capacity that when you did it, you left feeling, man, I should be exhausted, but I am energized, right? 
That is what that burden that he's talking about is all about. And if you're feeling weary and exhausted, which we all do, when you plug into your calling and your passion and who God created you to be, there is an energy and a strength that comes. In fact, Jesus told his disciples one time, he said, listen, guys, I just had an encounter with a young lady who needed my help. I gave it to her and I'm not hungry anymore. I don't even need food. (laughs) My sustenance comes from my purpose. Are you with me? So, Living in the blessing of a burden. History tells us about a man by the name of Oskar Schindler. Most of you have recognized that name. He was a German industrialist and a spy for the Nazi party. He was responsible for saving the lives of over 1,100 Jews. And the way he did it was bribing the Nazis. He spent his personal fortune bribing the Nazis and, and making deals on the black market to basically buy people. He had factories that he was employing these people, but he was basically buying them to keep them from being put into prison camps as the Jews were at that time. So the war was coming to an end, and at the end of the war, he was, he was uh, escaping. The, he had, there was 1,100, 1,200 Jews that were, were in a safe place, and he was leaving. And there, the Jews gathered around the people that he had, he had helped. And there was one by the name of Simon Jarrett who allowed them to take his gold teeth, his gold cap teeth, pulled his teeth, melted that into a ring, and they put an inscription on the ring that says, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. They gave this ring to Oscar Schindler. And this, this story is captured by Steven Spielberg in the movie Schindler's List. Have you ever seen the movie Schindler's List? If you haven't, I'm going to show you a quick clip. And this is the end of the movie. This is the end when this transaction is happening. It's, they mumble a little bit, so they're going to turn it up. You need to really pay attention to the words that they're saying. Go ahead.
I know it's hard to understand, but basically you can see what's happening. At this moment in his life when everything becomes crystal clear, he's realizing the value of the things that we place value on. And all of a sudden that is flipped upside down. And he's looking at his car in terms of how many people his car represents. This is what happens when when you're blessed with a burden that, that defines your purpose. There's no Batman if there's not a Joker. There's no Superman if there's not a Lex Luthor. There's no Snoopy if there's not a Red Baron. You, you follow me? The thing that identifies who you are in many cases is when you realize that there's something that's breaking my heart, something that's sparking an anger in me, and something that I care about that maybe it doesn't seem like anybody else cares about. And those moments are the defining moments. Worship team, you guys can come. Those are the defining moments. And the reason why we're talking about blessing today in this context is if you really want to live a blessed life, we have a problem and we can't help ourselves. It's just how we're kind of wired. And our problem is this. We think so many times in terms of when we talk about blessings, we like... When you get a promotion at work, that's a blessing, right? Of course it is. When you're able to get, you know, the house that you've been looking at and been working towards and you finally land the deal, you're like, I'm blessed. This is a blessing. You're blessed when you go out to your car and you put the key in the ignition and it starts and you can drive it. That's a blessing, right? But we, we have a tendency to get stuck in that in the material realm, not because we're bad, but because that's the easiest way to identify things. But where we miss the mark is really what this series is about. And that is missing the mark in the intangibles. Can you put a price on laying your head in your pillow at night and sleeping peacefully? Can you put a price tag on that? Can you put a price tag on the fact that maybe your spouse is on a business trip And you don't have to worry that they're going to be unfaithful while they're gone? Is there a price tag you can... Is there a price tag in knowing that your kids are... Maybe they're up in live wire right now. Hearing about things that will help them through the rest of their life. Can you put a price tag on the fact that you're sitting around the the dining room table with your family and, and you're just talking about life and no one's going to kick your door in to see what nationality you are? No one's going to arrest you because you prayed before you ate your meal. It's so easy to forget those things because they're intangibles. They're just, they're there. But what we're talking about today is a blessed life. When you realize the intangibles and and all of a sudden your attention is drawn to the intangibles and all of a sudden you're looking at the things that break your heart and you realize, this is who I am. Putting lunches in kids' backpacks at school because they can't get lunch when they're not at school. Somebody in this room today has a heart for that. And they do it every week. And I don't even think about that. Right? There's some people in this room today that this building is going to be used for an NA meeting because they have a heart for people that have lived a life that they have lived and have been freed from. That's what I'm talking about. And you know what? You don't, you're not going to have to pull their teeth to get them to show up to get the doors open. No. Because it's a blessing 
It's a blessing to have that kind of burden. Somebody in this room today edited that video for me at 10 o'clock last night. <laughs> Without a problem, no big deal, happy to help. You see, what it's an intangible, right? It's an intangible. But that identifies who we are. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's some important things I'm taking care of here. You know what? Somebody, somebody's going to find Jesus today because somebody took time to edit a video, because someone made some cookies out front, because someone put some flags out there to just, because someone mowed the grass. You, you follow me? Because someone's going to send a note to a guest this week. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to be given a burden that is not a burden of my choosing or one that drags me down, but rather it's a burden that I get to have tethered to the author and the finisher of my faith, the creator of my soul, the person who knows everything that I need. That's who I'm yoked with when I'm living a blessed life, blessed with a burden. Let me just tell you two quick things. Let your burden absolutely ruin you. Just let it wreck your world and let him put it all together. Pursue it. Let, it. let your burden drive you to action. Don't complain about it. Don't wish it was somebody else's. Don't ignore it. Don't try to appease it. Just fall into it because remember the words of Jesus. Come to me if you're burdened and you're heavy and you're weary and you're exhausted. I have rest. And if you take my yoke, let me put it on you. It's easy. And my burden is light.